Hello everyone and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And it's a great blessing, as always, to be able to greet my congregation here in Dallas and those who are a part of this congregation in many different places. And to greet our Saints Network family. What a, what a blessing it is to be a part of God's saints nation, a holy nation. And we are so blessed to know that God is moving powerfully in many corners of the world. And one of the things that I would love to be able to achieve is uh, to be able to utilize the new equipments that God has put in place to actually reach into some of these far-reaching outposts and have real-time testimonies of what God is doing and how he is building his church across the world. I recognize that, as is always the case, there are language barriers and there are also signal barriers because it doesn't matter how much uh, efficacy God has given us here if on the other end people are strapped with a shabby signal <laughs> uh, you, know, you know you just can't you can't uh, do much with that and uh, but let me just say that God is moving quite powerfully and I, I want to announce again that for our Saints Network, we're having our first in-house seminar. Uh, last time we, we were not able to, to meet in-house, but we're going to be having the seminar called The Feast, and it's September 14th through 18th. If you have not yet made plans to come, please do so. This is a not only a gathering, but it's, a, it's an appointment. When God first expressed to my heart the, the title, the feast, and the alignment of what he meant by that with his people in the Old Testament, and what it signifies for where we are as saints as we begin to look forward to breakthrough into um, the places that we know we have responsibilities. A lot of unfinished business that was put on hold during uh, these pandemic restrictions. But going into new places, we, we really have to be submitted before the Lord. We have to be positioned and empowered by Him for the going forth. And those feasts of Adonai were really uh, a commissioning of what our various giftings, callings, responsibilities are, all coming together before God for him to amalgam them and empower and inspire, instruct for the coming season. And uh, so I, I believe that this is really not just a gathering, because those are always wonderful, but this is a commission from God. And uh, I know that many of you are still restricted in your ability to travel, particularly those who are from other nations. Um, we will be live streaming, and we will be welcoming you as part of the body that you belong to here. Uh, but this is not a, a small thing for our Saints Network. It's, it's been something ordered of the Lord, and we're believing for a great, great time. So make plans. And watch the website, because at uh, sometime in the very near future, we will be having... Uh, a, a registration capability on the website and we would strongly urge you to register. It's probably not up there yet. It's being compiled by 
the folks who work for and with us in Nashville, but um, it, it should be up soon. But it doesn't preclude you from going ahead and making your plans to be here. So, enough said, as Stan Lee would have said. Over the past few weeks, the stream of revelation that God has been leading us through has focused upon gates and breakthrough in a in a way that is built upon what we have come to understand in previous studies. And today we want to look at some facets of what people who are appointed by God to serve in gates, uh, what they can do in welcoming the facilitation of the doorways of visitation and the doorways of uh, blessing and prosperity in the kingdom. And, and I believe that one of the sterling pieces of insight that God has given us recently came, it was a very suddenly thing. We were looking at 30, 60, 100 fold, and we recognized that 100 in the Old Testament was synonymous with gates. And I believe that for us to fulfill the fullness of what God intends, we have to not only be able to hear from God and come against the gates of hell, which is what Jesus said would need to happen for the ecclesia to be built. Jesus' words, not mine. But we need to be faithful in those gates and in the gates that God has assigned us to that were waiting for us. We didn't necessarily have to go and engage in warfare to evict some. We, we may have, <clears throat> have had to war to establish our right, just like Nehemiah did when the walls were being built in Jerusalem, a sword in one hand, a trowel in the other. But um, the point is, is that no matter how God positions you in a gate, there are some rights and responsibilities there, and the end game is to activate doors. Doors don't just come uh, by virtue of what they, what they are. I mean, we've talked about just in general that gates provide authority and security to a city, to a region, to a nation. And I think it's very significant that our own nation seems to have surrendered our gates, particularly along the southern border. That's another story. What that signifies for us as a nation is yet to be seen, and maybe we need to prayerfully, prophetically assess that. But the gates represent authority, defense, um, strength, and from that then, two things happen. Doors are established within the purview of that gate or within that city, and the gates also provide the opportunity for breakthrough into new places. So, the operation of the gates is very, very important. And the understanding of what doors mean in the scripture need to be viewed from the standpoint of gates. Now, let's look at a very familiar passage. We don't have a teaching sheet today. I mean, I, I'm just being honest with you. I know some who are more... Um, regimented teachers need to have a significant amount of time to get things ready and put things together in a format. I like doing that. Most of the time we do that in our seminars and certainly when we write books and materials. But what God seems to do here as we're walking is that as we pray, God says, open your mouth and I'll fill it. And he gives insights. 
And so it's it's like we who are seeking after the the strong meat of the Lord in acquiring that we have to gain it be bold enough to speak it and then from that over a course of time you can put together a schematic of what God is saying you you do and then you teach and the doing for us is intercession waiting on God listening to the spirit going into the word studying the word and be able to turn that effectively and quickly for the army as it marches forward so in the old days Wednesday night was prayer and Bible study well hope you've been praying and this is definitely a study of the word it's not a telling of tales it's not a a conjoling pat you on the head telling you everything's going to be okay even though it is it's digging deep in the word so here we go let's look first at a very unique scripture that we have all heard it's been preached in a significant way an effective way for many years it's uh, the words of the lord through john the revelator in uh, revelation chapter 4 to the church at laodicea this is the seventh church listed these people are really uh, established people they obviously had many skins on the wall quote unquote and the Lord rebuked them for their willingness in the midst of that great abundance to become lukewarm that is not our message for the day but it is an ongoing admonition from God to my congregation here and to everyone who is part of the saints who takes the time to listen to what is brought forth from here guard over your own life that you don't become lukewarm keep seeking God daily over this pandemic time when so many were sequestered in their homes or limited in their travel God said over and over again establish the dwelling place of my heart in your home in your heart and over the over the past year and a half I've had I've, I've never been restricted to come up here to the church I think I was here just about every day except for the great ice storm and it was just I don't I know how to drive in ice and snow I grew up in it it's where I learned how to drive it's just the other people that I don't trust. So if it's really rough outside, I stay away from driving because I don't mind the roads. I just mind the the uh, the Jehus that are out there right, trying to drive on them. But I've been up here every day, but yet I've spent time in the front room of our house, our little library downstairs, communing with the Lord and welcoming His presence. And I've noticed that as I've done that, and I, I can't speak for the other girls that's, that are in my house, but I've noticed that since that time, this room that had basically been a place to practice piano, not me, of course, has now become a place of greater import, greater fellowship, in a way that it has never been in the 30-plus years we've lived in this house. And, and I believe that that's... Uh, an indication of a door being accessed and opened a door of commune a door of fruitfulness a door of meeting with God so the point though is that I had a responsibility to commune with God right there you have that responsibility too and one of the greatest ways that we can engender an ongoing relationship and stirring the fire of the Lord in our lives is through praying in diversities of tongues, being on your face with God every day. And that is, that is a necessity for us. So that is a key point to not becoming lukewarm. I think another reason people become lukewarm is they give up. They consider the waves. There are a lot of waves around us in the world today. 
and they take their eyes off of where they've been commanded to go and the Lord who commanded them and they get overwhelmed by the world so don't let that happen to you but here is uh, this famous verse that Jesus says we're going to be looking at I, I think I said Revelation 4 I meant Revelation 3 verse 20 behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hear my voice and open the door I will come into him will sup with him and he with me now we've often said at altar calls and appeals at the end of the service God is knocking at your heart's door will you open he's not going to force it open and that's that's a good message I'm not disputing that that is a um, a facilitation of what God can do through this scripture but let's look at it from another way um, doors are reliant upon gates it's just that way I mean if you were out on the frontier somewhere and you had a little hovel that you were living in and you had a door that door really becomes your gate uh, but you probably had other measures where you defended I remember one of the churches one of the circuit churches that my grandfather pastored in West Virginia and Virginia was a really old old facility and it was almost like a landmark it was one of the first places that the Wesleyans had service on what was then the frontier. And they had kind of like a tower, and they've kept it up, a wooden tower, that during services they would have somebody up in that tower watching over the church facility to guard against, I'm just going to say it, this was part of history, to guard against bears and mountain lions that would come down out of those forests and also to guard against Indians who there were a lot of rogue tribes that would attack during those days and that's just a fact you can go there and see it I, I'm not getting up a group right now but if you're on the frontier you may not have the ability to have a gate and a door structure but you still should secure it as much as you can your safety there and then that ensures hopefully your ability to function and flow but gates establishing authority and establishing defense is essential to any kind of a door commune fellowship um, prosperity uh, factor and so when Jesus says I stand at the door he's talking to a Laodicean church that obviously was well established obviously they had done some incredible things uh, on behalf of the Lord every one of these places that Jesus was addressing had a candlestick with an angel guiding and guarding over that candlestick in fact in one instance uh, there was a threat you better get things in line or I'm going to come and remove that but this was the scenario for these Laodiceans and the Lord wanted to either dwell with them in the midst of a, an established point of commune or he wanted to speak with them about an extension, a growing forth out of that to where their kingdom prosperity could be known. Now let's look what he says next. Let's stick with this. The next verse, to him that overcomes will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. Now the first thing we want to say though is that Jesus stood at the door. It was an estemi function. He stood, estemi. And he was appealing to them from what their kingdom identity was, what the deposit of the glory was that was ensured to them by the cross. And so he was talking about what perhaps 
that Hestemi represented. He wanted that door to be functioning. And he also was looking for, per perhaps, I wasn't there, new ways that that door in that Hestemi wanted to communicate the kingdom. Because there's never a limit. There's always more. And so when Jesus says, if you do this, if you overcome, if you succeed in coming with me into a new place and to do new things in a line upon line, precept upon precept fashion, then I'm going to grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. This is kind of interesting. Sit here is a word that is in the Greek um, the base word by which we gain our word cathedral. So it is, it is a place where someone rules, someone is in charge, has been given authority. It's a place that an extension of this word means a pace, place of peace and rest. So to sit down to rest is, is, uh, is not just because you're lazy. It's because you have established a seat of authority. And that's why in cathedrals people would come to acknowledge the fact that there had been something done there to welcome the kingdom or to glorify God. And there was someone, hopefully the Lord, but someone under him, an under-shepherd, who was established in that authority, and that's what cathedral meant. So it's an establishing of something that then begins to be um, prospered, and it becomes an edifice to the glory of God. So when Jesus says, um, if you do what I'm talking to you about in the hysteme, the door being established, and you overcome in that, you're going to be able to function in a greater degree of authority with me in my throne. Just as I overcame and set all of this in motion through my victory on earth and was seated by my Father. See that? A lot of people are uncomfortable with the idea of overcoming and being given authority. They just like to think that when you enter into the kingdom, you just have all kinds of authority and you can just do whatever you want to do. That is not the structure that's in the Word of God. It preaches good. We like to talk about things being free. But somebody always has to pay the bill. Um, so... I, I see this, and I think this is wonderful, and I think the Lord would say to us, you've been given a lot. You represent sons. The seventh church represents that, or if you flip the seven, it represents the visitation of the mishpat purpose of God for the igniting of his kingdom on earth. Either way, we're positioned to see a great move, a breakthrough, as it were, in God. And God says recognize that don't submit yourself to what the enemy would want you to become misinformed discouraged lukewarm I mean any breakthrough in the Bible every miracle took place when it looked like the enemy was winning the light that God promises for the end time comes upon a people who are surrounded by darkness and an exterior people who are in gross darkness. And you know, it's just the way it is. And if, if we don't recognize this, we're just going to look at the darkness, be baffled by the gross darkness, and that's easy to do nowadays, isn't it? And we will become lukewarm because we'll shut down thinking God has lost. How have we invested? We better look for something else. But be blown about by every wind of doctrine, and there are a lot of them out there too many of them demonic doctrines. But this is a wonderful thing in Jesus. And what's the very next thing that happens after Jesus really addresses them in their gate, their candlestick, he admonishes them to get 
stir up themselves so they're not lukewarm. He admonishes them to be clothed in the garment God wants them to be clothed in. Last week we talked about the breakthrough of the mantle. And um, then he says, I'm standing, I'm histeme. I'm at the histeme of your door right now and I'm knocking. Let me come in and commune with you about this. Let me talk with you about this. And then he says, you're going to be established at my throne in a, a place of rest and peace and authority and victory. And you're going to see God move um, in a great way from the perspective of heaven. This is amazing. And what's the next thing that happens? Verse, four, verse 1 chapter 4 after this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me which said come up hither and I will show thee things which must come hereafter this door was into heavenly understanding which for John at that time was essential for us. Now, this door came immediately on the heels of Jesus speaking to a church. Just reiterate this. I just said it a minute ago. I shouldn't have to. But the Laodiceans were positioned. They had a candlestick, an angel, a significant position in the early church. They were surrounded by many accolades and trophies and blessings. They were on the verge of being lukewarm. God admonishes them to shake that off, accept the new commission from him, uh, open up the hasteme of the doors to begin to see blessing come in the next way that God wants. There will be enhanced authority at the throne of God and uh, you're, they're told to overcome. And uh, it, it, this is a word to the ecclesia. Verse 22 says this. And then a door opens in heaven. Based upon that. Based upon that. It's very interesting. Let's look at some other things. One of the most famous door and gate scripture is found in Psalm 24. And in fact, this is so good, it's repeated twice. And uh, we all know this. This used to be a song that the choir would sing when, uh, when I, uh, during my early years here. Um, verse 7 of Psalm 24. Lift up your heads... O you gates, be lifted up, you everlasting doors, and the King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty. The Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O you gates. Even lift them up, you everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Selah. It ends with a sila, which means now it's up to you to do something with God in that. So what does this mean? Lift up your heads, O you gates. In light of what we've been talking about with authority in the gates, the heads in the gates speak about those who have been entrusted to populate the gate and be lifted up the everlasting olam doors what God is intended as blessing and function from the foundation of the world. You see that? Those that are responsible in the gates need to function there so that the eternal, everlasting purpose of God can be manifest through the doors. And be lifted up um, 
these everlasting doors. You you have to do in authority. And, you know, this is what Jesus, when he comes in, in, in the passage we just read in Revelation 3, he communes, he sups, he, he's talking to us, he's addressing perhaps iniquities, um, he's, he's instructing, he's perfecting, and then, obviously, they're being uh, instructed as to what they need to believe for and do in the doors. So you have to lift up the heads and you have to lift up the doors. But look look at this. Why is it repeated? Why in verse 7 and verse 9? Well, the king of glory, the king of how God wants to do new things on earth with people that have agreed to partner with his gracious invitation. That's what glory is. Now, the first part says in verse 8, that is the Lord strong and mighty. The plan of God, Yahweh, O's, which is the creative, majestic power of God among his Gabor, among the mighty men, the mighty ones. And the Lord, the plan of God, is mighty in the battle. So you have to be willing to rise and be mighty ones for him according to his plan in his power. And then it says, lift up your heads, O you gates, even lift them up, your everlasting doors, the king of glory, you shall come in. Who is the king of glory? Then he changes. He doesn't really change. He adds to the Lord of hosts, the Lord of hosts, all of the armies of heaven, all of creation that serves God, partnering. But this progression is important. God says to those in the gates, you establish yourself and begin to function. You welcome what I want to do in the doors of your hesteme. You be willing to partner with my plan and my power as mighty men and women of God. And then in that, there is a manifestation of the gates and the doors and the entirety of the armies of God are moving. He shall come in. They shall come in. This is not to be overlooked. What an incredible, amazing thing. Now, let's also see a couple of things that Paul said about doors and then we're going to give some warnings in Colossians chapter 4 verses 2 and 3 Paul is this is one of the most amazing treatises um, of what God uh, is requiring of us and I, I believe that we should look at this based upon what God has shown us already about this passage and see what God would want us to do even now. Colossians 4 verses 2 and 3. Continue in prayer, prosuke, and watch the same according to the good grace of God. You, you populate in what God is saying, what you're to ask for, what you're declaring. We've studied about prosuke and deasis. I'm not going to go back through this teaching for the sake of time today. But this is skilled prophetic prayer. And then populating. Watch. It, it means to mill about and to take responsibility in the midst of it. And you do that with an eye toward the good grace of God, the eternal grace of God. That's what thanksgiving is with all praying for us that God would open unto us a door of utterance to speak the mysterion of Christ for which I am also in bonds. Paul's telling these folks to move on behalf of what God had given them in authority. It's a gates type of, of 
uh, existence. And he says, you keep pressing toward what God wants to do in grace, and you move prophetically in intercession. And you don't just say it, you live with it, you partner with it, you, you commune with it. And, and then he asks, from that position, prosyukama again, that a door would be open, that there would be prosperity and fruitfulness for mysteries to be declared. Here again, people functioning in their God-appointed authority in prosyuke and in grace, in supplication before God, and for them to ask for to insist upon a door being open that's that's amazing that that's amazing i i i just think uh, it's it's something that is a word for for us today and we need to be believing god for the doors that um that we have we in our histeme based upon the gates that God has given us authority in we need to begin welcoming the atmospheres of God in conjunction with those doors we need to begin to believe for function and fruitfulness and blessing as an extension of those gates See, I believe that's perhaps one reason why, just in this house, God put so much emphasis on the gates. And um, it's because we had to take authority there and take a stand and believe God for, for us to represent Him there. And I believe now we're entering into an unprecedented time of communing with the Lord and uh, on behalf of the Hestemi points, opening doors, welcoming doors. And then, you know, it's just like, kind of like a business. If you open the doors of a business and people start coming in, pretty soon that has a momentum. And, and it, it, become, it grows on its own and it, it grows on its effectiveness. But until the doors are open there are a lot of things you don't learn and you don't really get to enjoy and um, I, I think that that is uh, I think that that is something that we need to believe God for um, I, I've been asking the Father for according to what the scripture says for us to be so intent upon accepting our position in his gates of authority and to then hear from him as to what doors we need to believe are going to be open and open what what doors of prospering and healing in the Hestemes and the visitations of the Spirit, helping people to grow in God and to gain insight and revelation from Him. These are capacities of the door, and they are based upon the Hesteme where God has blessed us to take a stand. It's guaranteed by the cross. Remember our teaching from the scripture about what the word cross is really constructed by in the original. And it, it basically is a stake of ownership in the histeme. Um, but out of that histeme, how you draw from that is, is through the doors that God would open. And that is established by Jesus communing with us. And uh, we overcome there. And then we're able to move on behalf of the cathedra, the seating 
of God's presence and God's peace and God's rule from heaven on earth. So there, there Jesus talks about what you do on earth in the Lord, communing with him. A door of access is open to you to be seated in the heavens. And that really shows that ladder of Jacob. It shows that let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there is a connective. Um, but the doors, prosperity, blessing, commune, fellowship, safety, peace, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, righteous vision, peace, victory, and joy in the Holy Ghost. These are things we need to believe for. I believe that when God talked to us about the 30, 60, and the 100, you know, the 30 speaking of the mighty men coming together, the 60 being willing to do that battle, which is um, uh, what we read in Psalm 24, verse 8 where we partner with the plan of God in God's power as mighty men and women. And as, as we do that, then the gates are established. The hundred... Now I'm not, not even going to say the hundredfold. I, I'm going to say the hundred. And part of that then is our ability to welcome the prosperity of the doors. Now, we have equated this, and rightfully so, with the principle, the biblical principle, of standing in the gap and knowing the breaker or the breakthrough. The Peretz and the Peretz. Now, again, really well-known study, and all the saints should be able to teach on this at the drop of a snap, okay? And... Um, you stand in the gap. God searches for someone to stand in the gap and make up the hedge. You're faithful there. You establish blessing. To me, that is a gate. Um, a, that's gate training. And it's an establishment of what God intends. And through, through that, then, the parats, or the breaker, goes. Now, if you'll look in your lexicons, you'll see that the root of parats is parats. So how is that? It's like chicken and an egg. Well, at some point, you had to break through to stand in that gap. You had to be willing to go and to break through into that positioning as a stand there. You're not, you don't just get this by a Biden mandate. You know, there's no equity in the gate. You you have to go in and you have to make something. It's not like the governor of Oregon who just signed that ridiculous law that said you don't have to read or write to get a diploma here in Oregon. I, I just don't understand that. You got it. You got it. I had to earn a diploma. Most of you did too. And um, I, I believe that the parats of coming into the gate or into that gap then creates the parets and from that then you have the gap it's the tabernacle temple principle David was the tabernacle guy he made the way for the temple then Solomon his son prayed the same prayer that David prayed over and over again about wanting to establish the temple but instead Solomon changed the words under the direction of the spirit and said instead of from this tabernacle may the temple be established he said from this temple may tabernacles go forth it's parets parats it's gates and doors and breaking through and so we have that story which brings us to two discussions i said we we needed to talk about some really difficult passages for people to understand one of them is uza in Second uh, Samuel chapter six, when David first determined that he was going to bring the ark back in, and he had thirty thousand soldiers and notable people, and they had a new cart, new new cart. Jack Hayford called it boards and big wheels. You had the two brothers Uzzah who was driving the cart, and Ohio who was walking ahead of the cart. 
and uh, they got to the threshing floor of Nechon and the cart hit a jolt and Uzzah stuck out his hand to steady the ark and God broke through on him. Peretz. Peretz. And David was displeased. From that day he called Peretz Uzzah. Not Peretz Uzzah. Peretz Uzzah. Why? How could a loving God do that? I just don't understand. Let's look at this. In the first place, the reason the ark was out and about in enemy hands to begin with was because the people mishandled the ark. God hadn't told them to go out. And it brought death to, to uh, Eli's sons and eventually him and the famous Ichabod, the glory is departed. Then the people who had captured the ark, remember they got beset with the plague of, of uh, roids and they put the ark on a cart with little mice offering and send it out. So the idea of this ark just being something that you could UPS transport, everybody in that area knew, including David. I don't know what Weisenheimer instructed him to do it this way, but they all knew it wasn't what God prescribed. Uzzah means is a derivative of Oz, which is the ultimate power of God. I think that's very interesting. And when he stretched forth his hand to the Peretz, the gap of that ark, he was dead. Why? Well, in the first place, God said, this isn't what you do. And they all knew it. They all knew it. You start messing around with God's glory. You start messing around with twisting scripture and doing things your way you're going to get whacked and you shouldn't bellyache and bemoan it oh woe is me some of you are so used to not not saints but some of you listening to this are so used to having your own way and doing whatever you want to do you feel it's an entitlement for you just to be on easy street that any kind of restriction is just outrageous to your mind these people knew this was the dwelling place of god his parets and when he spoke, it's time to break forth from this and to go forth and establish kingdoms. That was God's directive. That wasn't man's directive. So when Uzzah touched this dwelling place of God, he was doing, I don't know how many rules he was breaking, but they knew it. And David even said he didn't say it was the parats he said it was the parats we touched the place of god's dwelling and we did it in a wrong way he was displeased why 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 was he displeased was he having a pity party over there complaining against god calling god insane because he did these things who what would he, why was he upset i think probably if you read psalm 51 in another case David said, I'm the one that has sinned against you. David knew it was his fault. David knew that he had done something very wrong. And how often the case is that when we do something wrong and God, in all of his love, God loved David. Um, when God rebukes us our initial reaction is what that didn't last long with David because David regrouped he obviously repented and he came back again and did it the right way so but the Peretz that gate of God through which breakthrough came there are rules and principles and if somebody takes upon themselves, which is what Uzzah's name means, the, the authority of God, and comes against what God has established, you shouldn't expect a good outcome. I mean, there are a lot of people in the progressive move now that seem to say anything goes, and 
They're, they're saying there can't be a hell because how could God of love put uh, judge anybody? And, you know, it, there's just all kinds of nonsense being floated out there, all because they don't want to do things God's way, which God's way ensures structure, love, fruitfulness, provision. But it's got to be God's way. You stretch forth your hand and you take it upon yourself to touch God's dwelling place in your own strength, blaming it on God, there's not a good outcome ahead for you. That's the story of Uzzah. What about Cain, who slayed his brother Abel? This is another one. And it talks about the door. You remember, we don't need to retell the story, you should know it. But Cain disobeyed what God wanted and he became angry with his brother Abel who obeyed God and was blessed Cain rose up killed his brother Abel God comes to him and says in a number of things you know where's your brother his blood cries out that's not what we're talking about right now but he says in Genesis 7 or Genesis 4 verse 7 if you do well, in other words, if you manifest the tobe, you'll be accepted. Accepted is an extension of nasa. In other words, if you do what God says and God brings promotion because of that, you will be established in that point of promotion. It's not just a rising, but it's a but it's an, a, a continuance of existing in the place of promotion. But if you if you don't do what's right, you're you're going to be rejected. Um, let me just read this first so that we can very clearly talk about what God says about the door because that's really what we're 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 discussing here uh, Genesis 4 verse 7 some of you are already there if you do well shalt thou not be accepted that's the word we just talked about if you do not do well if you don't follow the tobe sin lies at the door unto thee shall be his desire and you shall rule over him now what does that mean here Jesus, well, God, Jesus is the living word. But here he talks about a door being there. Based upon your willingness to stand or ignore the point of promotion that God has given you. These guys were offering what God said he wanted. Abel did, Cain didn't. And um, that, to me, represents their gap, their histeme, their position of authority. And then a door would be open. God began to commune with Abel. Cain didn't like it. Cain reacts. So, this door, what does it say about the door? Sin lies there and unto thee shall be his desire and you will rule over him that sounds a little perplexing doesn't it well unto unto thee shall be his desire desire there is a craving a lust in the door the door is supposed to be a point of blessing a point of fulfillment based upon what God says if you don't follow the tobe that door then can become a place of lust, a place of craving, a place of, of, of wicked desire. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Unto thee shall be his desire. This door of wickedness then becomes a source of supply to Cain and then 
as Cain functions in that wicked door, authority is gained, and that wickedness in that door is then orchestrated by Cain, and he's ruling through it. This is kind of like the way the enemy moves, isn't it? Somebody disobeys God. They start using their gifts for other things. Those those wicked things that sin crouching at the door wanting to pounce upon immediately comes. It's kind of like what we said about King Saul. Instead of him gaining dominion as he was supposed to, because of his lack of dominion, the, the things of the land, the demons of the land, came and began to move about where he was in him and he was overcome by them great he became distraught by them and we we've known people who have they know what god wants to do but instead they decide to do something else maybe they take the hand of Uzzah and say i'm going to be god because i don't really like what god has said now i'm going to do what i want to do and they may not immediately get fried like Uzzah was, but that day's coming. I'm not threatening anybody. I'm just saying it's coming. And um, next thing you know, the sin that crouches at that door and their authority and their giftings, it becomes a part of them. We become familiar with it. And it begins to fuel kind of a wicked prosperity in that door. And then they become, begin to demonstrate authority in that wickedness. And it begins to reach out. And they begin to get notoriety. That's evil. That's wicked. But that's a twisted door. That God spoke about. It's fun. It's interesting to me that the first time the door is mentioned in the Bible was here the twisted door. The last time the door was listed in the Bible was this door of heaven in Revelation. Which door do you want to be a part of? You know, he could have said, Jesus could have said to the Laodiceans, hey, you know, I'm asking for you to do what you were created to do to partner with me in my tobe. You're kind of getting haughty in your own strength. You you love the things you've been given and you're lukewarm toward me. Don't you realize that sin crouches right here? I am here standing in the histemi of your door and I'm wanting to commune with you and I'm admonishing you to stir yourself up and be willing to take on the new mantle of the new day and come and talk with me about it. Let me move with you. Have the Laodiceans ignored that word, something else would have been at that door and they would have soon become, at the very least, destroyed. But that's not, that's not, usually what happens. The destruction's coming. God allows people to enjoy their sin for a season, the pleasures of sin for a season. But at the end of it, you know, he, he talked to one of the churches about Jezebel, which really speaks, it doesn't have anything to do with women in ministry, doesn't really have anything to do with sexual sins, but it, Jezebel means a virgin dedicated to Baal. There are a lot of churches that have given their their chastity over to the world. And God said, you've let this be taught in your church. I'm giving you a season to repent of this. I think that season's closing for some. But but God God is gracious. He he's 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 kind. So doors and gates. One of the reasons that the that the 100, the gate, is so important for the harvest is that 
not only do you need to establish what God wants in position, but you need to reach into the doors of the Hesteme and take full advantage of the fruitfulness and the blessing that God ordains for that point that the gate supervises. Yeah, you have to have mighty men, mighty women who are taking a stand, committing themselves as captains of the Lord's host. Yeah, you have to labor and work in God. It's the work of the ministry. But when God says, okay, it's time to really establish these gates in a higher way, you've been working toward those gates throughout the process. But now he's at that door, the door of the Hesteme. And he's saying, I want to talk with you about the next phase of development and blessing so that you can establish a cathedra with me. You, you have an authority with me at my throne, at the right hand of the throne of God, that place of sonship, that place of prophetic insight. I'm giving you a heightened measure of authority to represent me so that others may come, so that the kingdom may grow and develop where I've planted you. Do you see that? So I'm going to give you, I'm going to offer an assignment to you. Okay? And that is a prayer assignment. And in light of what we've shared today, I want to remind you of Colossians 4, where the Apostle Paul was there and um, he was he was asking the people to pray a, a prophetic prayer based upon their intercession and their their uh, their supplication before God. And you know it's it's very interesting to to me that um, it was so that Paul could speak the mysterion of Christ. You know that was really the main ministry Paul had it's evidenced by the 27 preserved writings that we have in our Bible through the anointing of the Spirit through him. Um, Paul needed to, to access the door to do that. You know, there are many adversaries. Paul said in another passage, there's a great effectual door open to me, but pray because there are many adversaries. Those adversaries are very similar to what Cain represented and the sin that crouched at the door. I think, I know I'm past time here, but I'm just going to say this. We need to sit with the Lord and sup with Him and say, as I put my hand in this bowl of bitterness with you, Lord, see if there's any wicked way in me. Am I envious? Am I, if I'm, am I lukewarm? Am I angry? Are there things you want from me, but I want to do it my own way? I'm stretching out my hand like Uzzah did. And I, I'm trying to do things other than what you're wanting. Am I denying you? Lift up your heads, O you gates. Be lifted up the eternal, everlasting plan of God in the doors. And the King of Glory is going to come in. The first thing he's going to do is he's going to demonstrate that oath, that power, and among his mighty men. And then there's going to be the Lord looking at that, and then the full measure of his kingdom is going to invade. I think we're in that. We need to ask God, search me, see if there's anything in me that would keep me from functioning in this histeme door. I want to stand faithfully in the gates where you've positioned me in this Peretz, but I want to see the fruitfulness and the blessing within the, the city of, the, of God and, and position ourselves for the breakthrough into the new that you have. See, these are all things God has been saying to us over the past number of weeks. This is a month of breakthrough. We need to be in prayer. 
We need to study. So, find a place to pray in these next days at your house. Why don't we all come together and pray in the church? Because what do you want us to do? Do you really want, do you really think the Lord wants to be sitting and supping with you at the door of the, of the Hesteme in a public setting? Or do you think he wants to talk to you and to me privately in a loving exchange on the basis of the Hesteme, that door of your life and of this house, the houses of the saints? Of course, it's a personal thing, so let's use it that way. And I think that within the next, I don't know when, we may have some, some intercession, structured intercession regarding some of the doors of our histeme and how we're to go before the Lord in prosuke to proclaim them as being opened. But for now, we need to be as the Laodiceans in, in considering ourselves stirring ourselves and welcoming Jesus where out on the veranda out on the hillside no at the door of the Hesteme in your life that the cross purchased and in the place where he has called you to serve that's good isn't it well thanks for joining me today and may God bless all of you dear saints and until um, the next time we're able to be together, keep praying and let's, uh, let's believe for our Lord to lead us forward for his kingdom's sake. God bless you all. Goodbye.